ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿದ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಮೇ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟ್ ಅಸ್ ಬೋತ್ ಟೀಚರ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಟಾಟ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಬೈ ರಿವೀಲಿಂಗ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಮೇ ಹಿ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟ್ ಅಸ್ ಬೋತ್ ಬೈ ಗಿವಿಂಗ್ ಅಸ್ ದಿ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ may we attain vigor together let our study be invigorating may we not cavil at each other om peace 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 so the story goes um we've been reading in kathopanishad very famous and ancient story of the little boy nachiketa who went to the house of death and asked him the question about the atman so that's the setting so it started off with uh, uh, with uh, we are introduced to the bai nachiketa and his father vajashravasa the vajashravasa this uh, vedic brahmin he was performing a big fire ritual with the purpose objective of going to heaven then his son noticed that he was not giving away the gifts as he was supposed to and he was you know keeping the good stuff for himself and giving away uh, the not so good stuff and then um, nachiketa asks him to whom do you want to give me and persists in asking him so his father you know he sees it as impertinence but nachiketa wants to point out that one should hold on to the truth uh, in this world and in the next also it is truth that matters values that matter and basically his father is just cheating himself uh, cheating the society by uh, not doing what he was supposed to do but his father sees it as impertinence and says i'll give you to death like go to the house of death and so nachiketa goes to the house of death and we know that um, death yamaraja the lord of death was away on tour or something and he was not at home he comes back after three days and nachiketa has not eaten anything uh, and he's just sitting there waiting for yamaraja to come back the lord of death to come back so immediately when he arrives um, um, his we don't know who because those voices are not mentioned but somebody tells him so maybe his wife maybe his counselors or his minions or whoever it is um they tell him that so this guest has come to your house this little brahmin boy has come to your house he enters your house like fire so the fire imagery is uh, evocative because fire can uh, do a lot good to us and can burn down our house also so fire gives us illumination and fire gives us warmth uh, but fire when it is not used properly can you know sort of burn everything to ashes similarly so this guest has come this esteemed guest has come to your house by his blessings by his good wishes you may attain to knowledge illumination you may attain to goodness in life or by neglecting him um, you know it's very bad karma so that was said go to him and attend him immediately carry to him water for washing his feet and giving him water to drink and food to eat and so on and greet him so we might imagine these things are fill in the blanks right and the commentator shankaracharya helps us here sub commentators help us here the upanishad itself does not give us the, all these details we may imagine that the lord of death yamaraja now goes to the boy who is still waiting outside outside the door and uh, again 
there is something that the Upanishad tells us. We are not sure who is saying this. You know, what is the harm if you neglect, if you neglect your duty towards a guest? So there is a verse about this, a mantra, eight mantra. The story is going on. See, in these mantras, it's not exactly Vedanta. We are not talking about the ultimate reality. We are not talking about pure consciousness, existence, bliss. You're not talking about the highest goal of human life. You're not talking about meditation. Um, but the values are being taught here, which are foundational to Vedanta. So that's important. What's the harm if, if the Lord of Death or indeed anybody neglects a guest and makes a guest suffer? Eighth mantra. Asha pratikshe sangatam sunritam ishta purte putra pashumscha sarvan etad bringte purushasyalpamedhaso yasya nashnan vasati brahmano grihe. If in anyone's house a Brahmin guest abides without food, that Brahmana destroys hope and expectation. The results of holy association and sweet discourse, sacrifices and charities, sons and cattle, all these of the man of little intelligence. So that's really bad karma. Huh? Um, all of these are lost if uh, the guest is, is uh, neglected. Little more detail here. The words used, asha pratiksha, asha and pratiksha. These are the actually names used in uh, India, girls' names, you know, Asha. I don't know if anybody's named Pratiksha. Are they named Pratiksha? Asha, definitely. So what do they mean? The difference between Asha and Pratiksha is, and Shankaracharya helps us out here. So he gives these nice little notes. So if anything, you, you're not very sure whether you're going to get it, something you want, something you, you're not very sure you're going to get it, but you are hoping that you'll get it. So there's this, maybe for example, somebody you haven't met in ages, you know, sort of hoping that one of these days that person will turn up. You don't know, don't have any information, you're just hoping. Or anything, whatever you like in life, whatever you want, whatever one wants in life, we are hoping we'll get it. We're hoping that will happen, hoping that person will come. Um, so whatever, you're hoping, but there is no, no specific information that is going to happen. That's called Asha, hope. And pratiksha is expectation. Expectation is there's something you want and you know you're expecting it to happen. Maybe your salary is due or there's a guest who has, what is it called? Um, you know, when, you, when you say that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to attend, RSVP, yes, RSVP. I was going to say RIP, that's rest in peace, not RSVP. <laughs> so you know, when the guest has RSVP, you know he's going to come, he or she is going to come, or some money is due to you, or some the new Apple phone is being released. You know for sure it's going to happen. And you're just waiting for it to happen. Uh, something very nice. That is called pratiksha, expectation. So nice distinction between hope and expectation. We sort of knew all this. I mean, it's off, sometimes in these commentaries, you get answers to questions you never asked. And... Uh, no answers to questions which you, you want to know the answers to. So anyway, cute distinction between hope and expectation. But the dark thing is, these are lost. What you hope for won't happen if you have neglected the guest. 
what was expected to happen, you are sure good things are going to come to you. Won't happen if you have neglected the guest. If you have been, um, you know, you have been arrogant or neglectful. Now remember, the Lord of Death Yama was not neglectful on uh, on purpose, only inadvertently. Um, but still, then Sangatam. So Sangatam, um, Shankaracharya here. Uh, he gives the meaning as the connection with uh, with connection with the um, the association with holy people so the association with the holy you know, satsang with a spiritual person with a holy person it has two kinds of benefits one is the direct benefit that you get spiritual knowledge you attend a vedanta class or you ask questions and you get some knowledge out of it but it's supposed to be very good karma you see this is something that is well understood in india and in all the indian religions um, in hinduism of course but also jainism um, and buddhism and sikhism also that you go to a person you know to be saintly or holy and quite apart from above and beyond the knowledge that you gain from that visit, it's just good karma for you to be in the association with the holy. And there's a reason for that. In one of the Upanishads, it says, Atmagyam hi achayid bhuti kama, Mundaka Upanishad says, the enlightened one, the one who, who has realized the self or realized Brahman, you should uh, approach such a one and serve this, this enlightened one, this saint, him or her, who... The person who, even if you have worldly desires, even such a person, so this is well understood in India. So even a person who has no particular interest in Vedanta or spirituality, just wants good stuff in this world um, or to overcome bad karma or to go to heaven after death, that person would still you know, go to uh, a Swami or, or a Mataji or somebody and, and uh, you know, bow down and offer gifts. The idea being it's very good karma. The Upanishad says, do that because such people have enormous good karma. These holy people, they have enormous good karma, which they will not use. Because what is good karma meant for? For getting pleasant stuff in this world and for going to heaven after death. Like Nachiketa's father was trying to do, perform a Vedic sacrifice, which generate lots of good karma, and then he goes to heaven afterwards. But so the, the holy ones, they have attained enlightenment or they are, Seeking enlightenment. They don't want uh, artha and karma, pleasures and wealth and you know, power and success and status in this world. They don't even want it. Um, even if it was, they won't try for it. Even if it was offered to them, they won't take it. And they're not even interested in going to heaven after death. They want enlightenment and freedom. But then what happens to all the good karma they have? So uh, Hindus are very worried about the calculus, the balance of karma. So that so the huge surplus of good karma, which they are not going to use. So it is said that, it's a strong belief that those who serve them, those who are close to them, those upon whom they are pleased, uh, whom they bless, they get the benefit of that uh, good karma. Why is it that the blessings of holy people are supposed to be effective? It's because of, uh, they're very clear, the uh, Hindu philosophers, it has to be somewhere, somewhere good karma is being used up. Where is that surplus coming from? It's that holy person's good karma, enormous amounts of good karma, which you get. And again, the warning here is you lose that. 
Um, another meaning of this Sangatam is the connection with the results of all your you know, religious and spiritual activity, which is Swarga Moksha. Those who want doing a lot of rituals so that one goes to heaven after death, does not want moksha, but wants to go to heaven after death. So the connection with that result, you have done all the, what has to be needed, what is, what's needed to be done, and so now you expect to go to heaven after death, won't happen. Why? Because you neglected the guest or you misbehaved with the guest. And also, for us, those who are here, we are interested in enlightenment and moksha, freedom. And that's our goal, spiritual liberation, nothing worldly. That also is blocked. And an obstruction comes up for that if um, one neglects the guest. So very strong warnings. Moksha phala, swarga phala. The result of heaven after death and the result of enlightenment and spiritual freedom, both are blocked. Then sunritam. Sunritam means... Uh, good literally means good speech, uh, beneficial speech. So the speech that you have when you talk to uh, a good person, a holy person, uh, which is beneficial for you, those, be those benefits, the benefit of that speech is lost. Speech is supposed to, even your own speech, which is supposed to be highly beneficial if you, um, uh, the, the rules are, the hitam cha, mitam cha, satyam cha, satyam cha, hitam cha, mitam cha. The benefits of truth speaking, the benefits of speaking, um, the beneficial thing. You know, like you're saying the truth and that which is helpful for others. And mitam, mitam means limited. Don't speak too much. Um, also, it means sweet, not harsh. So, there's a well-known saying in India, satyam vada, and then sweet. Tell the truth. Yes. Priyam vada. Ma vada satyam priyam. So it's a well-known saying. Tell the truth. Tell that which is sweet or tell it sweetly. And don't say something that is not, uh, that is harsh. It may be true, but it's also harsh. I mentioned this earlier. I like this, you know, Mark Twain. In one place he says, with his characteristic humor, he says that those who claim, you know, they are very proud of, that we like the brutal uh, honest or brutal truth. We like the brutal truth. Often, Mark Twain says, I have noticed they are more fond of the brutality than the truth. <laughs> so, but all of those careful speech that you're disciplined in speech, the benefit of that is lost if the guest is not taken care of. Then, Ishtapurtam. Uh, Ishtapurta are two kinds of practices which a religious person, a devout person in Vedic times was supposed to undertake. Um, Ishta means all those Vedic sacrifices. So the religious rituals of a devout Vedic person in those times, they were called Ishta. Ishta is one of the name is, uh, is a name for Vedic rituals actually, Yajna. And Purta are all the social um, service activities, um, activities of charity and generosity. So these are the things that you're supposed to do as a devout person, and they generate good karma. Uh, so there are a lot of discussions on this. What are these ishta and purta? Let me read out a little bit. So for example, so now I'm 
explaining the words ishta and purta this is from the atri sanghita atri sanghita um agnihotram tapas satya vedanam jaiva palanam atithyam vaishvadevam cha ishtam ityabhidhiyate um so what comes under ishta agnihotra the daily vedic ritual then tapa austerities like fasting satya holding on to the truth vedanam jaiva palanam regular practice or chanting of the vedas which is the vedas were divided according to family you know so you had a branch of the vedas which you're supposed to protect protect means um read it chant it regularly and teach it to the next generation so that's part of the ishta adithyam so taking care of the guest notice so it comes in here honoring the guest vaishvadevam cha so some certain sacrifices for example they required you to so take care of the environment plants and animals and trees and feed the uh, birds and um, you know dogs and cats and all so all of the living beings all of these together are known as ishta and you lose the fruits of all of this if you don't take care of the guest then what is the purta the other kind of activity the sec- these are all said to be devotional or religious activities connected to, with the vedas then there is a set of activities which are secular which is for the welfare of society again this is from the atri sanghita what is meant by purta what activities vapi kupa tadagadi devayatana devayat devayatanani cha anna pradanam arama purtam ityabhidhiyate so vapi means um, like a big pond and so you make a big pond at like a place which the people of the village or the town can use you sponsor it digging that big pond kupa is a well digging a well taraga is a sort of in between source of water not as small as a well not as big as a big pond but these are all sources of water and you can see how important water was to an agrarian civilization devayatana a place of worship a house of worship you make a house of worship anna offer food to the hungry upavana etc um, like make a park or you know like donate to a park you can see all of that you know in any good society right here if you see all the volunteer activities the charity activities Um, right now you're right here you have the central park for example how much of it is maintained by the donations of um, of charitable people how much of it depends on the volunteer activity of so many people working you know in teams and cleaning up the place and so all of this is called purta um, which goes to maintaining a healthy society again we lose all the benefits of this the good karma from all the purta by neglecting the guest then what else is there one more point i'd like to point out here is the importance of the guest so that's another thing it's just a little bit of a tangent but it's a big thing in uh, indian civilization indians even till today are known for their hospitality but this goes way back in from ancient times there was a great stress on taking care of and the atithi and the word atithi is very interesting it means without uh, literally without appointment 
So someone who drops in on you, <laughs> Titi means a particular date. There's no particular date he's, he's coming. I mean, he's just this, uh, this person visits you. Of course, with the appointment or without a appointment, but a guest. Um, couple of quotations. This is from the Manu Sanghita. Sampraptaya tu atitaye pradadyat asana udake. So when the guest comes, immediately offer a seat and offer water. Annam jaiva yatha shakti satkritya vidhipurvakam. Honor the guest satkritya as you know, like whatever the protocol of the uh, the formalities are for that particular kind of guest, and then offer food, yata um, shakti, up to your capacity. Whatever you can offer, uh, you should offer food to the guest. Um, all the all your the Manu Sangita says, uh, sarvam. Sukritam adatte brahmanor anarchito vasan. So all of this, all the good things that you do are lost if a guest, an honored guest, like a Brahmin guest, for example, comes to your house and is not honored, is not taken care of. So all everything is lost. So this sort of, you can see it's in line with what the Lord of Death Yama is saying. And the Manusangita um, backs this up. It's also in the Vedas. Here's a quotation from the Atharva Veda. Um, which says that one should not eat before the guest has eaten. So the best things that you have, offer it to the get, guest. Tasmat purvo nashniyat. Before the guest has eaten, before the guest has been offered the best that you have, do not eat yourself. Manusangita also says, Atithis tu indralokesha. The guest is verily the dweller of the world of Indra or the lord of the world of Indra, which is Indra, the god, lord of the gods. So that kind of honor is given to the guest. Okay. That's a lot about the Atithi, about the guest. What else has been said here? So Ishta and Purta are lost. Putra Pashungscha Sarvan. Um, children. Um, and Cattle. Why cattle? Cattle was wealth in those days. All of these are lot. Not lot, lot literally. You may not literally lose uh, your kids or your um, cattle, but just that things don't go well uh, for the family, for your property and all of that. Etadvrinkte. The word vrinkte means set aside, uh, but literally it means here lost. So the technical, uh, the etymology will here mean it's lost. For whom? For that man, for that person who is of low, in, low intelligence. So it's an intelligent person who takes care of the guest. At this point, we'll say, okay, we got the point. The guest is king. Our guest is queen. We got it. Now, by this time, the Lord of Death must be thoroughly frightened because the guest has been ignored and he's going to lose everything now. So he comes and he speaks now in the mantra number nine. So now he's speaking. Um, death is speaking to the boy Nachiketa. Tisro ratrir yadavat me anashnan brahman atithir namasya namaste astu brahman swasti me 
Brahmin, since you have lived in my house for three nights without food, a guest and an adorable person as you are, let my salutations be to you and let good accrue to me by averting the fault arising from that lapse. Ask for three boons, one in respect of each night, that means each day and night with which you have spent at my doorstep. So notice he uses the word Brahman, O Brahman, twice. So it's showing how much respect he has for the little boy who is waiting. So Yama, you can imagine, Lord of Death must be a very impressive personality. And here is just this little boy who's not even 10 years old. Um, somebody told me something very interesting yesterday that uh, it seems child psychology is uh, one of the things that they have come upon is children at the age of seven or eight is the first time they um, become aware uh, of mortality or death. The concept becomes understandable. Sometimes children get traumatized by the first understanding of the possibility, what death actually means. I don't know whether a child cannot understand it before that or but anyway, seven or eight. It's very interesting that Najiketa is seven or eight years. Uh, that's been mentioned there. And the question he's he's going to the house of death. And the question he's going to ask is about death. What happens after death? What's the whole secret of death? Interesting connection. So he has waited three nights. Tisro Ratri, he has waited three nights. Brahman Natiti, oh, oh guest, oh you Brahmin boy, Namasya, you are Namaste. I, I offer you my salutation. Swasti meyastu, let good fortune attend to me. So swasti, normally the word used in uh, Sanskrit, swasti means good fortune. So good karma, good fortune, that is symbolized by swasti. Here it means, one of the derivative meanings by, by our commentator is, swasti means avinasha, non-destruction. Non-destruction of what? non-destruction of all my good karma. So he knows. The problem is that I, I stand to lose a lot because I've neglected you. Unless you are happy, unless I can make you happy, I stand to lose a lot. So let me not lose that. This is what he is. He has good fortune. He is the Lord of Death. He is enormously powerful. But that he does not want to lose. Tasma Prati Trin Varan Braneshwar. So he offers him. This is a famous part of the story where he offers him three boons. I want to make up. So three nights and three days you have spent at my door in utter neglect. So, and I didn't intend that to happen, but still it happened. So I'm going to make up for that by offering, offering you, offering thee three boons. Ask what you want, whatever you want, I'll fulfill it. He's enormously powerful. He's one of, he is, Yama is still one of the gods with a small g, but one of the most powerful gods, um, like Indra, the king of the gods, Agni, the god of fire, Varuna, the god of uh, water uh, on the ocean, and uh, Vayu, the god of air. Yama is another very powerful, one of the principal, like um, cabinet secretaries or something like that. <laughs> uh, so he can offer three boons. A little... Um, Again, a little tangent at this point. Something, um, you know, it, it struck my memory. Uh, it just came up. Years ago, 
in Calcutta in the Institute of Culture, this very noted scholar, Pandit, traditional Pandit. So he asked sort of rhetorically, I think, that uh, what more did Vivekananda um, say or what more, what new idea did he give about you know, the service of humanity? It's all there in Ishtapurta, the words which we used. So the traditional Vedic teaching of um, the Ishta, the, the Vedic rites and the service of guests and so on, all those things we read about, plus the Purta, all the secular do-good activities in society. You know, you take care of society, make sure people are comfortable, you give in, in charity. That's it. It's all there. So when Swami Vivekananda says you serve the poor and all of that, what, what new thing? I mean, what, what is this big thing you all, you all means we monks in the Ramakrishna mission, we make about Swami Vivekananda's karma yoga. On. What is, he was a philosopher. So he says, philosophically, what's new? Philosophically, practically, what's new? Both as an idea and it's in its effect. What? is so revolutionary. It's all there thousands of years ago, even before the Upanishads, in the Karmakanda, in the ritualistic portion of the Vedas, it's all well set out, set out and nicely codified and people practiced it. There are these big movements in the idea of spiritualizing work. So one is all these uh, do-good activities, this charity, uh, this um, philanthropy, which was there for the benefit of all. And this would give you good karma. Remember, the motive was you get a lot of good karma out of it and you go to heaven or your life is much better because of it. That was the motive. And this was a kind of personal charity that you would do as your religious duty and depending upon the wealth that you have. That was one idea. What Krishna did much later in the Bhagavad Gita when he taught Arjuna, he says, not charity. All your activities, if you now, you want enlightenment, moksha, God-realization. Now, what do you do with your life? The old Vedic idea was that uh, as long as you're a householder, be a devout Vedic householder. And yes, you will do good. You'll take care of your own life and uh, do good to society. How do you do good? These things, ishta, purta, charity, philanthropy. That was the idea. And if you want to become enlightened, free of the entire cycle of birth and death, free of the whole thing, then give up all that, all that Ishtaput and all of that, give up the worldly pursuits, give up other worldly pursuits, don't try to go to heaven also, uh, become an ascetic, a spiritual seeker, uh, and uh, go to the master, learn the Upanishads, Shavana, Manana, Nididhyasana, very austere life of total renunciation, and engage in uh, study and listening to the teachings of Vedanta, um, then, then reason upon it and then once you have understood it stay with it in, in deep consistent long meditation upon it till you become enlightened and you are free what about uh, the philanthropy and uh, the uh, the do good activities you know the charity now see what happens is you can't do it because you have given up all the means to do charity and anyway that's a distraction now notice so this, there is a very clear distinction between karmakanda, the ritualistic portion, the activities of a householder, be a devout, good householder. And uh, if you want more than that, give up the whole thing and become monk or monk-like and go all out for enlightenment through Vedanta. What Krishna said to Arjuna was, was revolutionary. 
He said, you continue to be, this, is the, this transition is internal. It's not an external thing. It's not that you actually give up your activities, your family, your, the world way of life. You may or you may not. But what is essential is you must transform the whole paradigm of what you are doing. The uh, Vedic ritualist has the paradigm of, I am this individual. I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to live the best possible life I can. Let me live a, an honorable life, a moral life. Be good here and go to heaven after death. Yes, I'll come back again, but I'll keep ensuring that I have a good ride because I've got good karma. And the other one was, no, all of this is samsara. It's good samsara, but still samsara. Swami Vivekananda said, chains though of gold are not less strong to bind. Then off with them. Say om tat sat om. Off, off with them sannyasi board. Oh monk, cut those chains. Even the good ones. Good ones, good work. Vedic ritualism, Ishtapurta, all of that. Krishna said, this transformation has to be internal. Oh Arjuna, you were seeking the kingdom. That's why you have come to fight this battle. You were seeking to punish the wrongdoers. You were seeking revenge for what had been done to Draupadi. All of that, notable, good, but worldly goals. Good, moral, but worldly goals. Now you say, I don't want to fight. I don't want the kingdom. What is the point of a kingdom with, you know, by which I have to, for which I have to kill my relatives? And Krishna, Arjuna says that it's soaked in the blood of my relatives. How would I enjoy it anyway? So Krishna says, fine, here is the old Upanishadic idea of enlightenment. In the second chapter of the Gita, Krishna just talks about entirely about the Upanishadic idea of enlightenment. You will see sometimes he quotes from the Katopanishad here uh, in the Gita. Now, Arjuna's idea would be, okay, I've heard of this earlier. So that means I don't want to be a, a warrior anymore. I don't want to be a prince, a father. I don't want to be a person in society. I'm going to go off and become a monk and search for enlightenment. And Krishna says, stop. There is another way. You continue to be what you are and transform your activities, whatever activities you are doing, into from karma into karma yoga. Karma yoga is transforming our actions, our daily actions, um, you know, in the family, in the office, in your workplace, in community, instead of doing it for good karma and good life here and going to heaven, now you do it for Vedanta, for enlightenment. How will that help? That will prepare the mind, build the character, then only Vedanta works. The qualifications which Vedanta insists on, high moral and ethical qualifications, discipline of the mind, all of that comes from karma yoga. So Krishna says, transform your activities into karma yoga. You don't have to give up all that. You can still be in the midst of all activities and family and all of that and become a Vedantin and become enlightened too. Change is necessary. Renunciation is necessary, but Krishna moves it inwards, psychological. So now what becomes of karma? Karma is all your daily activities, not just a little bit of philanthropy or some little um, you know, um, rituals. All your daily activities, which you might have earlier considered secular, all of that now becomes spiritualized. The goal is purification of mind. I do all these activities as worship of God. So that is karma yoga taught by Krishna. You can see it's a radical rethinking of what action is. In the way that it was more, more clear cut, the action portion and the knowledge portion. And it sort of followed. Though the Vedas did not say that openly, but it sort of followed, you would have two different kinds of life. There would be a householder life, there would be a monastic life. 
and that's why sort of monastic life was at that time open for everybody and everyone is expected if you want moksha you become a monk like krishna said it's you have to become monk like renunciation is important it's not exactly that um, you have to give up your uh, your status or your duties as a warrior do that now as a worship of god spiritualize your daily life spiritualize your daily activities even the so called secular activities now notice one thing so this is all in context of what that scholar told me how is vivekananda revolutionary notice already from the vedas to krishna a huge uh, transformation a paradigm shift has happened not just a few rituals not just a few acts of philanthropy but all your activities in the day your family your job your community all those activities are now spiritual acts i am worshiping my lord through those acts okay now fast forward to vivekananda 19th century how is that a further advance over krishna's karma yoga vivekananda's karma yoga so when the vivekananda's karma yoga follows from uh, ram shri ramakrishna shiva gyane jiva seva service to uh, all sentient beings knowing them to be shiva knowing them knowing that jiva is shiva all living beings are that that ultimate reality uh, just now i was walking in central park so one of these persons i know who hangs out there he has this little dog and so once in a while he catches me with a with a philosophical question so as i was just coming out of the park just about 30 uh, one hour ago he caught me and he said uh, swami this little fellow a little chihuahua i think this little fellow does he have thoughts and feelings does he have awareness i said yes he is a sentient being just like us there almost tears in his eyes i said thank you swami we know that we you know that we appreciate you so, so i have this um, interesting set of friends there in the park some of them are the last of the hippies some of them are um they they, are, they spend all day singing um beatles songs there in strawberry field and all sorts of people some of them are also high and that's the other thing altogether so you have a whole assorted set but so all sentient beings are they are not just individual little beings they are all they are all shiva and i'm worshiping shiva through my acts the acts what are acts service to sentient beings especially service to humanity now how is this more than what krishna said it's not just your daily activities it is not just as a method of purifying your mind rather it will purify your mind and all your daily activities are included but much more than that it is service to humanity at large even all sentient beings at large something beyond your daily activities so for example transforming society swami so vivekananda said the two great sins of india the neglect of uh, the oppression of the masses and the neglect of women now transforming society a better more just more equitable society that is not part of your daily round of duties that's not what krishna was talking about when he said to when he talked to arjuna arjuna says this whatever your duties are do them as worship of god and the vedic idea of ishta purta was among all your duties one part of it is uh, rituals another part of it is charity plus you have many secular stuff a lot of secular stuff to do so you can see the changes in paradigm you have a duty to you have a you know your your service to the whole of society so 
a society free of the inequities of caste or race or gender, um, a society where all your actions are rendered up as worship to the divine in all beings. That, that's the attitude. It's an even more powerful karma yoga than what Krishna had taught. And certainly that was itself a huge advance over the Ishta Purta, which is mentioned in the Vedas. Further, one more point and I'll move ahead. What Swami Vivekananda was saying is, is actually the expression of an enlightened person. See, when Krishna teaches Arjuna, when the Buddha teaches humanity, Christ teaches uh, humanity, are they teaching in order to purify their own? Are they, first of all, are they teaching so that they can go to heaven? They don't care for the, the temporary heavens. Uh, so it's not like the Ishtapurta idea, not for good karma. Or is it like Krishna's karma yoga, where you are doing that as a preparation for Vedantic knowledge, as a purification of the mind to inculcate selflessness and discipline? No. Krishna and uh, Christ and uh, Shankara and Ramakrishna, uh, Buddha, they're already enlightened. They are far beyond that. So why are they serving humanity? Why are they doing good to humanity? It's an expression of their enlightenment. They see the oneness. They cannot do otherwise. It's an that, that love, that, that compassion that comes for everybody is an expression of their enlightenment. It's not something they're doing as a practice for their own benefit, even spiritual benefit. Now that attitude, Sri Ramakrishna would call it the attitude of a vigyani. That can also be practiced by us, even before enlightenment. That becomes the philosophy now. So it's a vaster, much broader um, idea of karma yoga. Here karma yoga becomes an expression of enlightenment. It becomes the same as jnana yoga then. Okay, let's stop there. I didn't say it in all these details to that pandit. He wouldn't have, he would have been annoyed. But this is my answer to that pandit who told me, what is the advance of Vivekananda over Ishtapurta mentioned in the Vedas? This is the advance. Moving on. So he offers three boons. Now Nachiketa speaks to Yama. This is a famous part of the dialogue, you know, where Yama offers three boons and Achiketa asks the first one, the second one, and the third one. Um, before I read out the verse, the mantra, notice the three boons of Nachiketa. If you take a big picture, look at it. Everybody concentrates on the third one. The third one is that uh, about Atman, where the whole teaching about Vedanta starts. That's why people get impatient. No, hurry it up. It's just the story. When is, when is Vedanta going to start? But the story is very good. It teaches many things. But if you look at the first, second and third boons, the first boon is that, you know, let me go back home and, um, and my, when I go back home, my father will recognize me. My father, let my father be fine. You know, he wants his father not to be angry with him. It's very cute. For as you can see that he's a little boy. He's very worried that his father is mad at him. That's the first thing he asks. The second thing he asks is, What's the best possible fire ritual, karma kanda, the whole karma portion of the Vedas, in which he sees his father and his, uh, all the people in his community. They are very busy performing these rituals. So show me, you know, like a little boy, the best one. I want the best. Teach me what's the best one. The third one is about Atman, enlightenment. Now, if you look at it, take the big picture, exactly what has he done? He has asked for something in this world about his parents, about his family, and you know, to settle the problems there. 
He has asked for something in the next world, to, how to go to heaven after death and the best possible heaven. And finally, he has asked for enlightenment and moksha, freedom. Basically, he has covered all the bases, <laughs> yeah, whatever one could ask for, but in a very enlightened way. Uh, he, in the worldly sense, he is just worried about his father. And that's it. He doesn't want anything for himself but his father. Let, let my father be happy with me again. That's a big thing for a kid. And then heaven. What all these grown-ups are worried about going to heaven, going to heaven. Let me go to heaven. That's, that's also great. And third, uh, the ultimate question. What's all this? What's the point of it? What's going on here? What is the secret of, of death, of life and death? Uh, I want to know that. So that's the big picture. The first boon. Verse number 10, mantra number 10. Shanta sankalpa sumana yathasyat vitamanyur gautamo mabhimrityu tvat prasrishtam mabhivadet pratita etatrayanam pratamam varam rine. O death of the three boons, I ask this one as the first. Namely, that my father, Gautama, may become free from anxiety, calm of mind, freed from anger towards me, and he may recognize me and talk to me when freed by you. What a kid. See, he is quite innocently. Notice how many things he has packed into one boon. If you actually count, he says, first and most important, he just takes it for granted. I'm going back home. That's the first, what you would be scared about when you say go to the house of death is that that's it. My life is over. I'm dying. It doesn't even seem to occur to him. He's so innocent about it. He's not even asking that reverse death. Let me go back to life. He says, when, I, when you send me back home, I'm not going to go back. You are going to send me back home. So I'm going to go back home. That's, that's of course, given. You can see uh, Yama smiling, you know, <laughs> a little smile on his lips, the thing twinkle in his eyes when he hears all this. And so many other things. The ask is very big. Uh, my father, let him be freed of anxiety. So the commentator says, what kind of anxiety? His father must be sad. His, father must, his father's mind must be a mixture of anger and misery and, uh, and, uh, and anxiety. What's that little boy doing? How is he faring in the house of death, in the land of death? So let him be free of anxiety till the point I go back. Of course, he'll see me. But before that, right now, let him, let him relax. Let, him be, let him, his mind be set at, at ease. That's one. If you count that way. And then let him become calm. That is, um, we, uh, this is, you know, the Sanskrit word is sumana, a wholesome mind, a serene mind, free of anxiety, happy mind. Let's put it this way, happy mind. Then vidamanyu, free of anger. He's worried about that one because dad was mad at me the last time I saw, saw him. So let him not be angry with me. And then, the um, uh, next one, that uh, he may recognize me when I go back. So another thing occurs to him. If I go back and doesn't recognize me, that's no good. Because he might think I am a ghost. So, and all of this is supplied by the sub-sub-commentators. One commentator says, come back from dead. He looks like our son. And so he must be a ghost. The, you know, when we were kids, we had uh, comics, American comics. Those were expensive to come by. But we had stuff like Batman, Superman, but there was also another one, Casper. It was the, the friendly ghost. So his dad might get scared, you know, that this boy must be a ghost. 
So to, to take care of that, he asks Yama, the Lord of Death, to fix that. Don't let him think I'm a ghost. Let him recognize me and let him talk to me nicely as he used to talk to me earlier. Let him be nice to me. Notice how many, I was just sitting and counting. First of all, freed from death and go back home. And that also death has to arrange. See, he came on his own, but he has to be sent back by death. So death has to pay for his flight back. That's one. And that's taken for granted. The second one is that uh, my father, let him, be, let him be peaceful right now. Let him be free of anxiety. Third one is, let him be happy in mind. Uh, the fourth one is, let his anger towards me go. And the fifth one is, let him recognize me. Let him not think that I'm a ghost. And the sixth one is, let him um, talk to me nicely, like the way he used to earlier. So all of this, and as you get it quite innocently, uh, without the slightest hesitation, he thinks it's one boon. And so <laughs> there is a saying in, uh, in Bengali, Shonar Pathor Bati, which is a golden stone plate and bowls. So you can't have a stone and a gold plate. It, but both, you want both. It's like the story goes, there was a man who worshipped, who prayed to God and Shiva. Shiva appears before him and says, I'll give you a boon. What do you want? One boon. And the man said, I want to eat a hearty meal on gold plates with my grandchildren. Which means he is going to be married and have children and have grandchildren, live long enough to have grandchildren and be healthy enough to eat a hearty meal and be rich enough to have golden plates. All of that in one boom. So Nachiketa accomplished something like this there. <laughs> And you can just imagine the twinkle in Yama's uh, eyes, you know, when he, when he grants it. And Asiketa makes it very clear, this is the first boon. Other boons are not used up yet. Only one, I'm using up only one for all of this. Then death says, Yatha purastad bhavita pratita audyalaki raruni matrasrishta Sukham Ratri Shaita Vita Manyu Twam Dadrishavan Mrityumukhat Pramuktam. Having recognized, having recognized you, Oddalaki Aruni will be possessed of affection just as he had before. Seeing you freed from the jaws of death, he will get over his anger and will, with my permission, sleep happily, happily for many a night. So he grants all of that. Whatever you ask for, everything, your, your, your father will relax. Um, you will go back from death by, and he'll recognize you. He'll be delighted to see you that you're back from death. And he will love you just like he loved, early, uh, loved you earlier. All his anger will be gone. All of that, done. You get all of what you asked for. Just a little, completely unnecessary, but because the commentators um, wrangle over it, Notice the names keep shifting. So his father's name was Vajashravasan. In the earlier mantra, his name is my father Gautama. Now they had different names. Each person, especially the esteemed ones, you know, it was prestigious to have multiple names. So it's quite possible his name was Vajashravasan um, because he was the son of Vajashrava. 
and his his own name, his father's Nachiketa's father's own name was Gautama. But then this gets worse. In this mantra, you have two more names: Adhalaki Aruni, all referring to Nachiketa's father. Now this gets a bit too much. That's four names already. So what's going on here? Uh, Shankaracharya gives some explanations, and they're complicated ones. Um, and sub-commentators give some explanation. All of it is not pertinent to us, but I'll just give you a sample of what's going on here. It also gives an insight into the Vedic culture of these people. So the complicated answer is, um, there is a term Shankaracharya uses, dvayamushyayana, which means, uh, a, a person who can claim descent from two lineages. Why would this happen? The, uh, the crucial thing is, a very important ritual for Hindus, even today, is the Pindadana. So when ancestors pass away, uh, fathers, mothers, grandparents, great-grandparents, you, you are supposed to offer a ritual in the ritual, uh, to your ancestors, a rice ball is offered. That's called the pinda. So that's very important. And why is that important? The belief is that uh, um, this helps the departed ancestors to attain to higher worlds. So you would want your son. And ritualistically, it was the son who was supposed to perform these rituals, not the daughter. Although nowadays, even daughters can do it. I, I have seen it being done. So it's important that you have a son and that son uh, does this ritual for you when you're dead and gone. So Spindalana. Now imagine uh, a person who does not have a son, but has a daughter. Now, one arrangement they used to make was when this daughter gets married, and if she has a son, then the arrangement would be that son would not only offer the rice ball, the Pinda, for his father, that is the daughter's husband, his son-in-law, but also for the daughter's father. So he would act ritualistically as the son for uh, the daughter's father and also for the daughter and her husband. So it's like having two lineages, one coming from the mother's side, the, the father there, and one his own father. Okay, how does this all help us? Uh, this helps us because now we have two lineages here. Abdialaki Aruni. So, and all this is about Nachiketa's father. So Nachiketa's father, uh, his uh, his father would have been Uddalaka and his mother's father uh, might have been Aruna, the Rishi Aruna. Although another interpretation is his mother would be uh, Aruna. So one of these possibilities. So if that sounds all complicated, doesn't mean much. It just is try, try struggling to explain why there's, there's such a variety of names for Nachiketa's father, who is anyway a sort of a side player for the whole story. So Uddalaki Aruni, because Nachiketa's father might be one such case where the agreement was he would not, not only offer the sacred rice balls for his mother and father when they pass, but also for his mother's father. Uh, so two lineages are in him. All right. So... That was the first boon. And Nachiketa gets a very good deal, I think. He gets whatever he wants. He, uh, all those uh, demands are satisfied. Let me quickly look at 
the comments. So Rick says he had a near-death experience. Yes, today we might call it that, an NDE, a near-death experience. And Punita the by, beyond death experience. Or beyond, okay, BY. Being shared with us. Shubhadeep says, Yama, who is supposed to be an enlightened person, bothered about losing his good karma? I guess not, but it's a part of the story. Don't ask too much, it'll ruin the story. Or he just might be setting a good example. Just might be good setting a good example for the rest of us. Don't neglect the guest. And again, Yama uh, himself, he's enlightened because he will teach the, the truth about the Atman, about the self. But then all these concerns were raised by his family. So maybe he doesn't want his family to suffer. So Yama has also a wife and he has got a family or he has a kingdom. He has this whole department to run, the department of death. He doesn't want its budget to be slashed. God with the capital G might slash the budget budget for the department of death. So he's quite, quite the bureaucrat. So he's protecting his, uh, his bureaucratic empire. Yes. Good. Um, all right. I think that's uh, enough for today because the next question takes us to an entirely different level where uh, we take a quick look, look at this entire field, this entire uh, um, this culture of Vedic sacrifices. So we'll be, although this is an Upanishad, it's supposed to be beyond the, the limits of Vedic sacrifices. We've gone beyond that. But it's, you can see how the Upanishads are solidly set in the Vedic culture of those times. The terms are there. So people follow those, had those beliefs. Uh, the practices are the same. And people still want that. Even Nachiketa asks for the secret of the best kind of Vedic sacrifice. All right. Prashchit comes to mind. Uh, Prashit, in what sense? For neglecting the guests. Yes. So for neglecting the guests, that he, he, might, be, uh, he might be feeling bad about. Um, he may not be particularly concerned about good karma or bad karma. But yes, he has neglected the guest and he wants to atone for that. So Prashit are the acts of atonement. So the Vedic rites are related to Prashit, isn't it? There are Vedic rites of various kinds. There are Nitya Karma. Daily rites to be done, like Agnihotra, the daily rituals, which are part of the Ishta. There are Prayaschitta karmas, which are uh, atonement rites. So if one feels that one has, or if one knows that one has committed sins or mistakes or lapses, one might go through those rituals to atone for that. Um, and there are Karmya karmas. There are specific rituals uh, which will help you to satisfy specific desires. Some of them might be worldly, you know, wealth and rainfall and uh, children curing a disease, all of that in this world, going to heaven and a selection of heavens were available to you. You can go to the, you know, to the Bahamas or to, to uh, the Hawaii or to Fiji. So a selection of heavenly places are available to you. And that also depends upon the kind of ritual you perform. So there are different kinds of ritual. Beyond all of this was enlightenment, God-realization. All right. Om Shanti 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 
हरि ओम तत्सत श्री राम कृष्णारूप नमस्तु